Hey guys, Paul Fradenberg here, joining you on our Automated Vehicle and Autonomous Systems podcast for the first time in a little while. It's been a minute since we talked to you guys, and I'm joined here by my partner, Eric Kennedy. And we are here to talk about a recap of some of, the, some of what we've seen in the industry over the, uh, the several months that it's been since we last recorded one of these podcasts. A lot has been happening both on the regulatory front and from a perspective of the private business developments. So, Eric, why don't you kick us off here by telling us what some of the developments have been in the industry uh, over the last year? Well, that is a really tough topic to tackle. Um, There has been so much going on and so much to catch you up on. Um, I'll try to just hit just a few of the highlights to be efficient. Uh, I think one of the the features that we've seen for 2020 as the whole world has hit the pause button on some level uh, is that we have seen continued progress in the autonomous vehicle space. And we've seen that progress not just from the perspective of the technology, which is always evolving and growing, and I don't think anybody ever stopped working on that, but also from the perspective of how business is attempting to utilize the technology and implement the technology. And what we're really seeing, and this has been a feature of the autonomous vehicle space throughout, but especially in the last few years and especially in 2020, we're seeing some really interesting partnerships that have evolved through manufacturers and suppliers, um, mostly through those that are building the cars and those that are building the technology um, that is implemented in the car for an autonomous vehicle aspect. We're seeing so many different partnerships that are really interesting. And just to name some, a few that have, that have arisen in the last few years and getting, gotten some notoriety uh, just recently, we've got, uh, for example, Honda and GM have uh, have partnered up together. GM's cruise program has has partnered with Honda to work on autonomous vehicle production. We've got Ford and Baidu. We've got Audi and Apple, Mercedes and Bosch, Volvo and Luminar, um, VW and and Ava, and we even have recently Waymo and UPS that have have announced some sort of a partnership. And what often happens with these partnerships is there's a massive investment of capital often coming from the manufacturer side into either a startup or an emerging growth company that has its, uh, you know, its finger on the pulse of the technology and is working on some sort of um, interesting or disruptive aspect of the technology, whether in the context of hardware that's being implemented under the vehicle or some of the navigation aspects, uh, even the, the backend mapping aspects. Uh, there's just so many different levels of industry that this technology touches. And it's really interesting to see how I would say without too much hesitation that just about, if not all of the major auto manufacturers have their feet in this, uh, in the pool of the autonomous vehicle industry. And some of them are, are up to their neck and some of them are just dipping in the toe, but, but most of them have significantly invested in the future of autonomous vehicles. Often, uh, going hand in hand with another significant investment in the future through electron, electric vehicles. So it's really interesting to see how um, we are starting to see so much investment in this, uh, billions and billions of dollars that is being put into the AV industry. And I've said this statistic before, but I think it's really astounding. 
in 2019, the AV industry was valued at about 53 or $54 billion. And it's in, in anticipated to be valued at 10 times that in just a few years. And I think largely because we're seeing such a huge buy-in from, from massive in, important players who, uh, who see that there is a very bright future. Um, so that's one of the, the main things that we've seen over the last year as, as, uh, as the world has gone on pause, uh, AV implementation, investment, and technology has continued. And those, you know, those industry uh, big players have, in addition to investing billions of dollars, uh, what I think is worth noting, Eric, is that they are closely watching and, in fact, recently have been celebrating some of the regulatory moves that have been made. And I'll just uh, I'll point out that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, NHTSA rolled out its final rule for the driverless vehicle safety standards, which uh, really, the goal of these rules w- was to provide breathing room. That's the term that was used by a regulator. You don't see that used by regulators very often, but the goal was to provide breathing room for innovation in this space. And of course, what what the result of that was is that you know there was a, a great deal of uh, of uh, really positive feedback from the industry saying we we are happy to receive rules like this. Uh, because they do allow us to innovate. And on the other hand, there are consumer advocacy groups that have essentially said, hey, look, this is uh, this is t- too much too fast, and it's an attempt to shoehorn AVs into a uh, uh, really a, a, a traditional manned vehicle structure of regulation. And instead, there should be a totally new set of regulations that takes, you know, many years to compile. So, in some ways, what's interesting is that it makes me think of the classic push and pull situation between safety and innovation, which we've talked about before. But here we are, the industry's ready to go. In, in many ways, the regulators are ready to go. And the only question, right, is when will the public be ready to go uh, to the point where, you know, you order a rideshare vehicle, you walk outside your house, and there's a car there waiting for you to pick you up with no driver in it. And when will the American public be ready to sort of take that step and, and, and sit in that car and drive away feeling safe. And I would, I would uh, sort of pose the question to you is that, you know, to what extent does safety, the push and pull, pull between safety and innovation, you know, is that something that is, is it good for the industry to have uh, just an absolute free breathing room to move forward or do, do they need a robust set of regulations? You know, it's interesting. We've we discussed this before. It's a fascinating contrast to try and figure out where is the line here. And and I don't know where the line is, but I will say that it seems to me that this industry has its own sort of uniquely inherent motivation to be as safe as possible. And so I'm not sure that the regulations are as necessary as they might otherwise be, because when you're dealing with something that is so disruptive and so novel and you want people, like you say, to feel comfortable walking out of their house and jumping into a rideshare vehicle, the number one issue is going to be safety. And so it just is incumbent on the manufacturers and the technology providers to make this as safe as is, as is possible. And whether or not the regulators are going to try to take credit for that, I suppose, is a different issue. But the fact that they are leaving breathing room for innovation, I think is, is huge. And I don't think 
that we're running into a situation where the you know the the profit center of of the manufacturers is going to take over and it's going to be all about the money i mean i think everybody is wants to make money that's obviously the uh you know the underlying uh need here but but what really matters and the only way for them to make money and to make it make a difference because i think along with making money is is making a difference in the world and providing for safety safer transportation uh and for different modes of transportation for different um, aspects of the population, including a disabled population and others who otherwise couldn't get around, they're going to have to prove uh, that these vehicles are safe. Now, I read, I listened to an article, uh, I'm sorry, I listened to a, a talk the other day, um, and, and this may be anecdotal, but uh, the statistics shared, and, and they're just using Tesla as an example, because I, I think we all know that Tesla has probably the the most implementation just in sort in terms of actual cars on the road that have some aspect of autonomous function. The Tesla Model 3 is 6.4 times safer than a car that doesn't have autonomous function. So the, the more that we can get that information out there and, and convince people that it's actually true and that they can rely on, um, on autonomous technology, uh, I think we're going to see greater implementation. And it, it definitely helps that the regulators recognize that and that they're not turning it over to the manufacturers, but they're definitely giving them more, like you said, breathing room, more deference and recognizing that they're motivated uh, internally to make these things as safe as possible. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to be dead before we even get off the ground. That's right. And I think that's why there's this watershed moment, because there's now, uh, as we know, we've got a, a new administration and new folks coming in at the regulatory agency level, uh, specifically uh, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg coming in uh, as transporta- transportation secretary. Um, and he actually really uh, laid out a, a very forward thinking view of transportation. He spoke about cutting edge technologies, really three, he had, he had a focus on three technologies. One is drones, which as you know, uh, is, is, is something that I talk quite a bit about. And actually, uh, for those listeners who read the Los Angeles Daily Journal, you, you may have seen my article about Mayor Pete's view of drones and uh, what we expect to see um, in the Daily, Daily Journal a couple of weeks ago. But, but also he talked about Hyperloop and then really the focus, the majority of his time on automated vehicles. And it's interesting because the way that they're discussing this is not as, hey, this is this is the next cutting edge innovation and we hope maybe someday it'll be safe. It's, it's actually much more in line with what you've just described, Eric, which is that this is the answer to vehicle and traffic safety because over 90% of accidents are caused by driver error. And so you, you remove that human element and you put in a computer that can do more. And, and th- this is actually the answer to, to safety problems, not the cause of them. And that's what eventually I think the public's going to see uh, when, when this wave of investment is met with uh, a, regu- a very receptive regulatory agency that's willing to let them innovate. Yeah, it's just, um, it's huge. Uh, and I think this sort of, uh, I, I feel like the, the previous administration was definitely supportive of, of, of autonomous vehicle implementation. And it's nice to see that uh, that, that is continuing. Um, it's nice to see Mayor Pete's commitment to what is just obviously 
a useful technology that that we just cannot ignore um, and and we really should be fostering. And I think um, you know it's interesting anecdotally. I'm starting to see how this is trickling down into other aspects of of our lives uh, because not only is it important for us to continue. Uh, researching and implementing, but we also have to continue creating a the next generation or or fostering the next generation of autonomous vehicle uh, researchers and engineers and designers and uh, and the folks that are going to run this thing. And um, I have four kids. Uh, one of them is applying to college right now. And as we have gone through the application process, one of the things that we have looked at is whether or not the schools that he's interested in offer any kind of autonomous vehicle courses or autonomous technology courses, because it's something that, that he, uh, he could see himself studying. And I've really been impressed to see so many different uh, higher education um, organizations that are offering these things, whether it's, you know, in a university setting, or maybe it's something that's online or, you know, it's a seminar or something like that, but there's, there's some really just traditional um, courses that are being offered in, in the traditional university setting. And some of those that are leading the way is like Carnegie Mellon and Stanford and Oxford and MIT. And the one that we've looked at uh, that I found just fascinating was the University of Michigan. And it makes sense that Michigan, um, you know, Detroit being, being the literal hub of the, uh, the automotive world, um, that it has a significant investment in this new uh, frontier in, in, uh, in automotive. And so what they've done is they've created uh, what they call M-City, which is a, a, an actual um, city, kind of like a movie set. They invested, I think, $10 million or something into building a city that allows uh, for them to test their autonomous vehicles in a controlled environment and to put a bunch of miles on and to you know control for variables and, and really just put their autonomous technology through very rigorous testing to you know, to increase, obviously, I think the, the main features are our safety. So it's really interesting to see that. So now we've got this, this aspect of regulatory that's going on. We've got, we've got uh, sophisticated investment that's going on. And we also have, um, we now have education and, and we're bringing up sort of a new generation of, of thoughtful people that are going to be engaged in making sure that this technology um, it can be utilized in the best possible way because I think um, that is what we need, right? From a safety perspective, I mean the the, the statistics are as, as clear as day that that this is going to significantly impact uh, providing safe transportation. So it's nice to see that there's investment going on on the back end as well in terms of education. So we've got we've got industry, we've got the regulators, we've got the universities. So, so give us a preview, Eric, and I'm sure we'll be checking in with our listeners on future podcasts quite frequently this year. But give us a preview. What does this year look like in, in AVs? I think 2021 is the year of the rideshare. Um, I really do think we are going to see significant movement in that direction. So there's lots of different directions that autonomous vehicles can take and will take. I think the one that lends itself to being the most profitable and maybe the most widespread is this concept that you can buy an autonomous vehicle and it can become a profit center for you as an individual. So you can buy a, a you know, whatever car it is and it, it's self-driving. And so um, 
you you have it take you to work and then it goes off and it goes and takes someone else to work and then comes back and, and you're making money while your car is uh, is working for you. I don't think that this is going to be fully implemented in 2021 because that requires us to get to a level of technology that isn't that isn't universally legal at this time is at least level four, um, maybe level five. Uh, but but we're moving in that direction. And I think people realize that this is um, an actual practical application that can change lives. Uh, people can start to, you know, like I said, uh, their car will become an investment instead of a depreciating asset. It's something that actually starts to make them money. So I think we're going to see um, a lot of that. And, and we can borrow just a little bit, not too much, but borrow a little bit from the rideshare scooters and bicycles that we're seeing dotting the streets of all over our, our urban areas. And, and to, to see that on some smaller level, people are willing to share transportation um, and, and to give up, you know, some sort of, of ownership and control ultimately to share because they recognize that there's value in not only convenience, but in, in the other aspects that are beneficial in terms of traffic and parking and just so many different things. So I'm hoping that 2020 run really becomes a year where we see a lot of movement in, in the rideshare space. Um, I'm also hoping and, and this is uh, this has always been a, a huge issue for me. Uh, I'm hoping that we see a lot more movement in terms of using autonomous vehicles to help those who really need mobility and have mobility challenges uh, in the context of our, our disabled population, our senior population, but to provide them with freedom of movement that they don't otherwise have, um, just you know, getting to appointments and, and interviews and a job and and school and, and different places that it might be difficult for them now. It would be so great to be able to see a movement in that area. I mean, we've, we've still got a lot of hurdles. We've still got a lot of challenges. I mean, there's right now there's a significant tension between, you know, level three and level four autonomy. And, and when are we going to make that jump? And, and where are we at anyways, you know, is, is Tesla is the model three full self-driving is that two or three or where is, you know, there's a lot of, of gray area. Um, but I, I think we're moving in the right direction because we are now so much more concerned about um, social distancing and contactless travel and transmission and just being uh, aware of everyone else's health and safety. It opens the door even wider for implementation of, of autonomous vehicle um, transportation and usage because it uh, really lends itself to addressing contactless travel and social distance travel. And, uh, and so we might be able to um, to really see further implementation of this important technology because people are now uh, much more aware and much more used to the need for that kind uh, to be aware of those kinds of things. Super exciting stuff coming down the pike in 2021 and uh, stay tuned listeners for future podcasts uh, to provide those updates to you. We expect there's going to be a lot to talk about this year. So until next time, uh, Paul and Eric signing off. <laughs>